Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. I'm going to read together 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27. We've been talking about wisdom. And this is out of the North American Standard Bible. It says, for consider your calling, your calling, brethren, and implied in that is sisterin, but I think that just sounds weird. There, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, and not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. We've had a series that Pastor Josiah has been led by God to walk with us in on wisdom. And uh, on my heart is to share with you uh, for the next few moments about weak, uh, the wisdom in weakness. Out of this, uh, you can read this whole chapter later, at, in, and it's the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth, who've had a lot of good things going for them. They're uh, a well-established community. They've got a lot of uh, trade and traffic. There's some wealthy congregation members. So sometimes when you get some money together, it might feel like you've got it all, all together. And he's saying to them, look, it's not your strength, but your weakness that God is looking for. So today, we're going to look, Lord, we're going to look at <clears throat> the wisdom in weakness. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've chosen this time to meet us here, that we are grateful, Lord. Help us to see you clearly. I ask that you speak through my mouth, uh, think through my mind, and let my heart be yielded to you, Lord, that you uh, captivate us with what you're doing and what your plans are for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. And uh, in wisdom, we've talked about wisdom being long prized, right? It's, it says in the Bible to prize wisdom. It says that in the right hand or length of days, in the left hand are riches and honor, yeah. right? That, that wisdom is to be highly prized, even above gold and silver. Like, oh, maybe I could use some gold and silver. And God says, look, you follow after wisdom, and these other things will be added to you, right? It says all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is to be highly prized. And it's uh, personified as a person standing in the street yelling out saying, hey, foolish, right? Hey, stupid, how long do you want to be stupid? It's wide open. Wisdom has a table set before us, right? Hi, sweetheart. It has a table set before us and, and wants, wants us to have it. James talks about, look, God wants to give you uh, abundantly uh, without, uh, I've got King James in my head, right? Without upbraiding, meaning it doesn't matter what you did that's right or wrong. If you believe that he's going to give you wisdom, he's going to give that to you. And what do we mean by wisdom? We mean like the practical application of knowledge applied to each situation. How many people know that situations in our own lives are a little complicated? It'd be nice to just open up and go, Chris, on what's the date today? Tomorrow on July 25th, you're going to have this problem and make sure you're prepared this way. That's not the way life works. God has this dynamic relationship with us that he wants us to walk with him in to say, I want you to have my wisdom, my ear, my way of doing and being that's going to set you above your troubles. Unfortunately, I'd love to tell you, hey, when you walk out the store, you're going to be free from troubles. But you have a God that wants to walk with you in them, show you his goodness even in those dark times, and allow you to see his good on the other side, right? Wisdom isn't wisdom unless it's fruitful, right? You'll know wisdom by its fruit. You'll want to see, hey, I'm... (laughs) If, if you say, hey, that person's wise and you don't see fruit in their life, just take a step back and wait until you see some fruit in their life until you get to hear what they're having to see. How many people know you could jump on your phone and stay for hours and listen to voices you want nothing to do with? They just happen to pop up on your, just me, okay, I'll have confession time, that's fine. 
<laughs> seeing lots, they've got, they've, got, I've, they've got lots of people that want to talk to you about what they think is the best thing to do. And to me, what that signifies is God has some very significant things that he wants to share with his people about how to walk closely with him, how to talk to him, hear from him clearly in the midst of situations. And then he's called us to help solve other people's problems. See, I got my own problems, and I'd love to see all those solved. And yet we're called to go out and share the good news with other people and be a channel of blessing that other people can see his wisdom and, and be able to come to him and say, oh, this is, this is what you, you want for us, Lord. This is how you see us being fruitful. So I want us to connect with, okay, how? One of the big questions in my life is, okay, God, I want to know how to do that in, with, with people. I want to know how this stuff works. Let me, let me open this up and look under the hood. And it's not mechanical because I don't know cars. So that's about the analogy that I know. If I, and you could laugh, Scott, yeah, you could have to tell me about stuff. <laughs> but I, I like to see, okay, God, what are you doing? Like, show me who you are and how you're operating. And I want to I walk in that. I want to know. Um, if you're on a spiritual journey, you'll very much be looking for who Jesus is and what that looks like. And how, how that's going to differ from the world, right? Here, we, and in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, earlier on, it talks about the, the cross is like the foolishness to the world. There's a, there is a distinction between what God says about his wisdom and the wisdom of the world. It really just goes by your senses. What you can see, what you can feel, what you can sense. You can look at the history. Can I measure it? The worldly wisdom has a way of doing things. And it has some results. But God has a way of doing and being that he's set far above that. He says, I know the thoughts and plans I have towards you. And they're not just plans to dangle in front of him and go, gee, this would be really nice if you just weren't such a rotten piece of, you know, garbage. That's not what God, God has a loving heart towards you. And I'm so happy to be in this church family where the anointing over it is to share the love of God. That what God's put in Pastor Josiah and Natalie and his family that's going to help permeate to the rest of us is just the love of God and how we can walk in that and that there's wisdom in seeking after his love and seeking after who he is and how he loves us. So I believe God wants to make a distinction between the way the world wants to see and do things and the way that God has planned for us. And we're going to walk through some of that today. I, was, um, I got a chance to look at... Uh, some stuff by a, a neuroscientist. I don't know what his beliefs are, but it kind of typifies for me what, <clears throat> how the world would see things. He's a neuroscientist, and he says, a good life is the, is the progressive broadening of um, good impulses. And he's talking biochemically, right? So if you, you broaden them. To me, it meant, how can I have great impulses biochemically in my head, have a lot of, you know, uh, endorphins that get to hit me, but make them sustainable. And the, the opposite would be a bad life where you're sucked into addictions, where it's the increasing narrowing of, of, um, of having those positive responses. So perhaps maybe life has been painted for you like, this is just a series of neurochemical transmissions you're having that you're predestined to have. Maybe your brain's just firing off because you're preconditioned to be here in certain things. Or... There is a God who is far above what your current situation is, and he wants to speak into that situation. And he has a design for you. And he has a way in, of, of being and doing for you that he wants to call you to, and it's going to take courage for you to walk in it. And have you ever seen the things that God asked you to do and want to have courage? I believe God wants to encourage you today. Amen? Man, I'm just going to assume my answer to the first question I had was yes, because I moved on to my next point. 
Very good. Genesis 2.25. I want to share with you <coughs> um, a bit of what God's design is because this is going to be key. This to me, I believe God showed me by his spirit and that um, there's an internal condition described. In the book of Genesis, there is a law first mention. You may know of, know of that. When you're reading scripture, God often plants things and the first time he does it, he wants that to echo through and speak to and set a foundation for how he's going to describe that, that condition the rest of the time, right? So he's going to say to you, look, I want you to, this is going to be the condition of the first mention of it, right? This is the law of first mention. And the man, and the, you might have already been reading this, I can already see your faces, you're reading this like, the law of first mention is what, Chris? What are we doing with this scripture? Please tell me. <laughs> there Subtitles coming by later. This was the last time Chris ever spoke at <laughs> Thrive Church. I hope he enjoyed it. Right? So there is an external situation, but this is the first time the Holy Spirit has mentioned anything to do with the internal condition. We see a whole series of days. He made this, and it was good, and then this was good, and they made in the sixth day, and it was very good, and then God rested from all the things that he'd made. And then it talks in Genesis 2.25, it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. So how God wants us to walk is not ashamed. To have an internal, external situation that by its very definition is vulnerable. It's by the very definition there's vulnerability. And vulnerability to what? Now, you may have different ideas about what that is. Let me just present to you, if I can, how I believe that they were actually covered in the garden. Because you'd have two explanations for why you weren't ashamed. You're ignorant, possible, right? You don't know not to be ashamed. Anybody with little kids, they don't care. We have to go, Rhea, stop at the door. You can't answer the door in that condition. You have to put some clothes on. She doesn't care. She'll, we'll take her to other people's homes. She'll announce, I'm naked. She doesn't care. She's not ashamed, right? So, <laughs> so there's, there's a part of this you could say, well, that there's, there's a, an understanding that has to develop first. That's possible, but I'd like to submit to you that the original design for man is to be covered with something that was more than what their nakedness would speak to them about. I believe that God wants to cover you in the areas of your vulnerability and to cover you with his glory. And there's some keys he wants to share with you today in how to walk that out. This is the beginning of a conversation. This is not going to be a period at the end of a sentence. Consider what you're going to hear today, a great comma that you could take back and go, God, what were you trying to say to me through this very excited man up in front of us, and how can I best use that? So you have an external condition that by nature is vulnerable. And um, in Psalms 8.5, and you can just throw that up there, it talks about how God made man. He said, you've made him a little lower than God, meaning there's God and then man, and he's put us above the angels. And one day we're going to judge angels. I don't know what that all means. But what it tells me is that you have a very important place in the heart and scheme of God. Yeah. And, and here's how he, how he first presented man in the garden. He said, and you crown him with glory and majesty. And if you want to have some homework, you can go to Ezekiel and you can go to uh, Habakkuk. And it talks about in those scriptures that um, the image of God and whose image we're made after. When they saw him, there was lightning-like shafts of splendor that came from his fingers. If you look in the Amplified... And then he was a fire from his loins up to his loins down. The pattern that God had for all the animals, feathers from the inside out, fur from the inside out. Because we're made in God's image, what if 
just like in the book of Revelation where John saw Jesus and he fell because of how brilliant the light was, what if God had clothed Adam and Eve in light to symbolize the glory that he was going to cover them in, that God wants to cover you with glory. And the key to them continuing to walk in that glory, I believe by the Spirit of God, is the vulnerability that they would have. And you may say, well, vulnerability to what? Vulnerability to trust. Now, what did they have to trust them in? I'm going to walk through this with you again. These are key things. I'm going to give you the highlights, and we'll walk through it <coughs> for the rest of our time together. 17 minutes. How is that possible? Okay, so I'm not even done my introduction, Dad. Okay, so for the, first, for the first part, we have God's glory, and you have to trust God in an area that you're vulnerable in. What would they have been vulnerable in? What's in that tree? He says, I'm going to give you two trees. Here's a, the tree of the Garden of uh, Good and Evil, right? This tree has fruit from the knowledge of, thank you, sweetheart, knowledge of good and evil. My family's so supportive. Knowledge of the tree with the knowledge of good and evil. Somehow it's over here in my mind. And then over on the side is the tree of life, right? You're vulnerable to saying, what's in that tree? You, you're not going to know what's in that tree right now. And you have to trust that God has a good plan for you. And that was the vulnerability that was attacked because that was the vulnerability that God wanted to show his glory in. So in the areas that we're vulnerable in, see, God wants to, he has wisdom in the weakness that you have. The areas that you're weak in, God wants to use it. Right? From the beginning of, of time, God's continually repeated the pattern of picking people to show up in places that they're weak in. Moses goes, look, I'm a stutterer. You can't do this. Gideon goes, I'm the least of my tribe. Keep going through the, David is like the smallest and, and the, the least of them. Eliab's a big giant. He's the closest to Saul. And even Samuel says out loud to him, surely this is the, the next one. And God goes, nope, because you look at the appearance and I look at the heart. I'm here for the internal condition for which I'm going to show out glory in your life because I have things that I want to show, says the Lord, in your life in the areas that you're vulnerable in. Go through, go through the Bible. Pick out someone that was there because they were so brilliant. It wasn't. Mary's a little, little girl who says, I'm your handmaiden. How is this going to happen? Let it be done to me according to your, according to your will. Right? He picks a bunch of fishermen and, and um, you know, a tax collector who has no business telling people about the goodness of God because of what he did. Peter flies off the handle and he goes, you're going to lead the whole crew. <laughs> right? You can't keep your mouth shut, but you're going to be the first guy on the day of Pentecost to get up and tell people, you know, you guys have crucified the Lord and you denied him. Well, hold on, Peter. You had an area of vulnerability where you were weak, not just more than like 40 days ago, where you said, I don't even know Jesus, and you said, not more than three hours before that, I'm going to die for you. God wants to show up in the areas of your weakness. He wants to show you, listen, and in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll make straight your paths. Knowledge is good. Knowledge is important. But knowledge alone will puff up. It's love that builds up. When we're walking with love himself, he will show us the ways and the paths to do stuff. But he will often show you in, I want you to trust me. Right? So it, <laughs> we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by trust and not by sight. We walk by our weakness in the areas where we have to lean on him and not our own understanding. If you, hear, if you hear him saying, look, I want you to give in this area or I want you to do something that you may not be comfortable in, see his glory on the other side of that. 
He's, he's inviting you to his glory, whether it's in your giving or volunteering somewhere or phoning someone up or, or giving someone a compliment or whatever it is around the house or extending friendship to somebody. You're like, gee, I've, I've been hurt in the past and I don't want to be hurt like that again and I just need to have respect. God doesn't choose us based on how, puff, how puffed up we are and it's so drastically different than the way the world wants to elevate people in their situations that it's seen as foolishness. It's seen as what are you guys doing that the first disciples, they flipped the whole world upside down. It says these are the people that are turning the world upside down. Why? Because these are common, uneducated people. How are they doing these things? How is God's power showing up in the lives of these people when they have no business doing that? And it's not by the rules or Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, by the way, was giving to show us where our point of vulnerability was, where our breaking point was. They were never meant for us to live by them. Jesus came and he established the pristine condition of, of the law and the, the Ten Commandments and that whole, that whole slew. He says, look, if you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed the deed. If you say to somebody, Rakwa, which in that language would have been, you know, fool, you've already committed murder. You're like, gee, that's a little severe. But he's already seeing the end from the beginning when you plant something in your heart. If you can plant what God's talking to you about today in your heart and say, God, I'm going to keep it. It's going to grow. And God says, look, you are never meant to live just by these rules, distance from what God wants you to do, and I'm going to come to you in the place that you feel vulnerable in. Now, the wonderful picture in the Garden of Eden that I think he also wants for you is God would have been the only one who knew that you were in that condition. He would have been the only, like, <laughs> I just don't see cattle looking over going, you're naked. No, they didn't care, right? <laughs> they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have cared, but they would have seen the glory of God, right? The area... Because that's the lie that kind of pricks in your ear. People are going to find out about where you're vulnerable. And they're going to find out about this mistake you've made. They're going to find out about your past. They're just going to see the glory of God in your life. And it's up to you whether you want to share it because you're so covered in the glory of God that you can do it. God showed me this picture when I was in Bible college where I felt super vulnerable because I, I had been a teacher for um, about 10 years before that. And I just, I saw some things in God and I wanted to pursue him. And I heard him say, I wanted to quit your job. So I went to Bible college where I actually met Pastor Josiah and a bunch of other lovely people that are, are still in this church. And I, I just, um, I was really nervous about what I was doing. So I remember getting on my face and going, God, I don't know what I, what, what, what did I do? I'm, I used to own a house and now I'm living in a hotel room in a Bible college. I mean, I don't have a lawn to mow, but this is, this is not, sane people don't do this. And I said this to him, I said, I feel so exposed. And at that moment, I saw something that lit me up, and it was Adam, dark and in a silhouette. And there was no lights. And I, I saw, click, 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 boom, and the glory of God shone out. Now, whether you want to line that up theologically or not, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that God has his glory assigned for the areas of your vulnerability. Now, I was exposed, but not everybody would have known, like, what, what the situation was that I was in. So I ran towards my door, and then I stopped because I thought, well, I'm going to be running around this Bible college, and I'm going to have to explain to people what I'm doing. So I ran back around my room because I just had that lit up on the inside of me. This wasn't a passing thing. And, you know, I heard God say this. He says, now I can do my best for you. God is going to do your best for you. You don't have to give away everything you have. You don't have to quit your job and go to Bible college for God to share with you, I want to do my best for you. And he's going to do it when you say, look, I, I just want you to trust me, right? Yeah, yeah the commandment says, love all, the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. We're not, I can't do that. On my own, I can't do that. 
Only Jesus did that. Only Jesus was able to do that. He did that for me and he fulfilled the commandments so that I can go, I'm with Jesus because he's with me. And so I can be presented to the Father in a way that says, you're going to walk with me and you're going you're to give to me even though I'm weak, even though I, I, don't, I don't feel like I deserve this. Yeah, because he loves you. Because he made you and he designed for you to walk in good things. And yeah, what we did that were mistakes were, were severe. And they've already, that punishment's already been paid. So let's move on to the business of showing his glory. Let's move on to the business of saying, I'm forgiven. And I think that God wants to show us these things. Um, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 12.9. You can kind of show that up on the, show that up on the screen. Because uh, the Apostle Paul had, had a situation where he was like, he was being vexed, I think it says in the King James. It could be wrong. Something like that. For three days, and he finally goes, could you help me out, God? And God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Then Paul goes on to say, most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may dwell in me. You know what fascinates me about this? He's, again, talking about weakness and where God's power is going to show up. In here, there's no plan B. There's not like, if you're in trouble, this is where the power of God can show up. Now I want you to walk in fulfilling the Ten Commandments and saying that you're a goody-goody, and then therefore you're going to earn things. You can book, read the book of Romans. He says, look, if it's got to be earned, that's like wages. You can't get it by wages. You're going to have to walk this out by grace. So it's the weakness that you have is where God's going to inter interject in. So Paul says, I glory in this. Do you know why? Because that's where God's going to meet me. Because that's where God's going to cover me. That's where God's going to dwell in me. You could list things right now that you're looking at, and I believe I've come here in church sometimes and said, I have this weakness, God, and I don't know how I'm going to continue through the week. And I'm telling you, God wants to meet you where you are. He wants to cover you. He wants you to walk out the fulfillment of it. You know, some of you heard me. I was preaching last year about how I was, I was moving boxes. Right, that was my job. I'd been 10 years teaching, a professional, and I'd, I'd got a chance to work with my dad in refineries, helping them with their, their programs. I had some other jobs. And then I was working at FedEx, moving boxes. And I did it for 10 months during COVID stuff. And believe me, more than once during that time, I said, God, what are you doing? Because I don't know what you're doing. And I didn't think this is where my path was going to be when I was in that hotel room at Bible college saying, I feel so exposed. And he goes, I'm going to do my best for you. And I said, God, this does not look like your best for me. This looks like the exact opposite of your best for me financially. P.S. I have a family. <laughs> I remember finding out that Cora was pregnant with Renning. I was on my lunch break at FedEx. <laughs> it's like, woo! All right, back to work. <laughs> Here we go. Now, God has blessed me, and I'm not going to get into all the details, but God has done exceedingly abundantly. I get to work from home. I get to do lots of different things. He's added things to me that are, are so great and wonderful, and I have flexibility, and you know what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you could look at me and go, that's an example of God doing his best for somebody, but my story's not over yet, and neither is yours. Amen. That's a good place for you to shout. It's okay. You can talk to me. I'm fine. You let me know. That's good. Thanks, Mom. All right. Who? All the best things that you have are really gifts from God. Yeah. If you have a list of things in your life, they're all gifts from God, right? The loved ones in your life, they're gifts. You maybe you followed ten steps to get a great spouse. Great, I didn't, right? I, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that whole story, but it was the grace of God in my life. 
my family, the talents I have, the very breath that we have, those are all gifts from God. He wants to give to you. So let's be good receivers, right? The very fact that I come to him and say, God, you said you'd give me wisdom means that I need wisdom. Means that I'm in a place of the lesser to be blessed by the greater. So the, the very act of me receiving means that I need something. And that I'm in a place of want and need and God wants to meet that. He rejoices over the areas. And don't get me wrong, it's not like he's walking around going, you made a mistake, great. Paul addresses that in Romans. He's like, should we sin so the glory of God should show up? Heaven forbid. That's not our course and our design. But what your design is is to say, God, I'm vulnerable to you. The world knows this. The, the Brene Brown has come out. You can read her Daring Greatly in a series of books that she has. She's a, a sociologist who's in Houston. And she found out that studying people over long periods of time, the keys to fulfilling relationships, to great business teams that they have, to you f- being adaptable to certain situations, is this thing called being vulnerable. Even creativity is, is linked up to being vulnerable. And she tells great stories about going into corporate areas and Fortune 500 companies, and they're going... Yeah, we want you to talk to our guys, but not about this vulnerability stuff. She's good. well, I got nothing else. Because that's what's going to make your company and your family and your life great is the places where you're going to trust the people around you. It's not to be ignorant. It's not to walk around with your head in the sky going, I trust everybody and I'm vulnerable to everyone. That's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to hear his voice and walk in what he says. I'm going to tell you one more thing before our time's up. Does it feel like your time's up? Don't answer that. Okay. <laughs> Good, just stay with me. Because uh, I want to tell you one more story. Because um, I think the cry of lots of people's heart is like, do I hear from God? And if I'm telling you, hear from God. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Goodbye, everybody. Make sure you join us downstairs. That can be frustrating. So I'm going to give you a little bit about how to hear from God. And then you can, again, this is a comma. You can help uh, continue this conversation. I had the privilege of getting to go to Israel. And when I was in Israel, I would uh, get up in the morning and go downstairs and uh, just have some quiet time with God. And there was a big painting in the hotel we were at and had a bunch of uh, different colors in it. And, it was, and I was just sitting down and, and it was like um, God said, what if Jesus sat down in the seat next to you? What would you ask him? And my mind raced with a bunch of stuff. And the question that I had, and I was staring, I imagine somebody walking by and looking at this guy staring at a chair and pointing at it. But that's what I did. Just stay with me. So I, I was saying to the, I was standing in the chair, I was said, um, how do, I, how do I hear you well? Anybody else have that question? God, how do I hear you well? Right? Because he's going to ask us to do things where we need to have courage in them. I better hear you well on this. God, you're going to ask us to help be channels of blessing for the world. I need to hear you in this. You're going to ask me to walk in areas that I feel weak in. I need, you to hear, I, need you to, I need to hear you in this. Can I share with you what he said to me? Join us next time. No. What he said to me was, what he said to me was, look to the blue. Oh, great, Chris. That's great. No, there's two things that I want you to see. The highest thought that you have is God talking to you. He's the greatest communicator. He's talking to you all the time. All the time. He's, he created communication. He loves sharing things with you. Right? I'll get down on my hands and knees and I'll just look at my kids sometimes. I'll just look at them. And they'll stick their hand on my face and push me away. And I'm fine with that. But I want to talk to them. I want to communicate with them. And God's a good father. He wants to talk to you. He wants to communicate with you. He's going to talk to you about your highest thought. And if you pursue that, it's going to lead you to the truth of the next thing that you want. Just take the next step. God, I don't know what you want me to do. Pick the next step that's thoughtful and peaceful, and he's going to lead you in it. Amen? The second thing that I, I had, and I, I didn't have the scripture, but it's the, um, the scripture that talks about the blueness of the wound cleanses, cleanses away evil. 
and I was thinking of the stripes of Jesus. By his stripes, he, the chastisement necessary for our peace, it tells us in Isaiah, he bore. So there's two things that might keep me from God, right? Not knowing what my highest thought is and then focusing on me and the bad things. But I can go, I'm, I'm looking to the blue. I'm going, God, but you took all my sin. There's therefore now no condemnation. It says, again in Romans, right? Romans 8. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So I want you to just remember that, that God wants to talk to you. You can look to the blue. Oh, there's so much I'd like to share with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's skip 1 Peter. Then go to 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 24. Can I have the worship team come up? Just as I'm going to read to you just a bit before what we started in. I am going to tell you that um, God wants you to cast, his care, cast, cast your care over to him. He wants you to access grace and the gifts through humility. And true humility is just casting the care. Just saying, God, I, I love you and I know you and you're going you're gonna to carry things for me. But I want to read this for you out of uh, 1 Corinthians 18. It says, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. Be prepared that the world is not going to embrace you all the time. They're just going to want the fruit in your life. They're going to want to know the love, joy, and peace that you're walking in. Yeah, there'll be money and there'll be some provisional things that'll come by, but it'll be nothing in compared to the love, joy, and peace that you carry with you. Right? The wisdom of God that shows up and you go, I wonder what we should do. I think we should do this. Right? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Wisdom in weakness. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. It's not because people connected the dots that God showed up. It's his own will that he showed up in your life. It's his own will that he's going to continue to show up in your life. And when we yield to him, when we're vulnerable to him, when we say, God, I want you to show up in this area of weakness, he wants to take that. He wants to show up. He wants to show up. He wants to show up through other people. He wants to show up to other people through your life. I'm going to skip down. It says in verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block to Gentiles' foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Christ has been made unto us wisdom, redemption, and sanctification. I encourage you today, God loves you started with that great work today, powerful. The things of God are powerful and straightforward. We receive them as children. God said to receive them as children. Children by nature are weak. They need a powerful father, mother, parents, community to be around them, to help support them in their areas of weakness. God's children, God wants to cover you in his goodness. Just give him your areas where you feel weak. He already sees it. Just give it to him. Cast the care over to him. Tell him you're tired of doing it by yourself. If you're in this room, you're online, and um, you don't know Jesus and haven't been vulnerable to him and haven't given your life over, I know I'm going out of order here, but I just feel you're okay. And if that's you, and you feel like this is the moment I want to take, to say, God, I'm going to give this over to you. 
whether it's an area of your life that you're just frustrated with, you say, God, I just can't see you working through it. Completely give it to him now and watch what he does. And ask him for the patience to sustain that decision for you. If you've never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, it's very simple. But if you're here in this room or you're at home, it's just uh, watching or watching this later. All you have to do is say, Jesus. Say that with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're coming back for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And I want to take this time to pray for you before, um, before I stop. I just want to pray for you and say, um, God, we're going to give over all those little things where we're feeling vulnerable. But if you made that decision to make Jesus your Lord for the first time, please get in contact with us. There'll be some sections you can click on the website. Uh, you can talk to us. Please, we want to uh, invite you if you're in the room and you've, you've done that. We want to invite you to just uh, continue to be part of God's family and, and welcome. Amen. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we cast our cares over to you. We thank you that you come alongside us. I ask you to cover your people, your children that you've designed for your glory. Cover them up, Lord. Cover them up in those areas. Lead us in the areas how to walk with you in our weakness. Show us, Lord, how you are not here to beat us down, but lift us up. And you've designed for us to bear fruit with you when we're connected. Show us how to connect with you best. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your goodness flowing through us. Everybody in the green said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.